Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Stress Podcast. Alessandra, our next podcast guest for today, and I just got ready and are wearing beautiful lipstick. And now we are ready <laughs> to talk with you about career progression during a recession. And Alessandra is not the first time that we're having her on the Stress Podcast. If you remember, we already had her um, last year in November, kind of around the same time, talking about the art of nothing. So I'm super, super excited to have you back. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you very much. I am very excited to be back and uh, certainly practicing all the things I preached last time we were on. <laughs> same, 100%, even though we can talk a little bit about this in the podcast today. I've actually been preparing to go offline for three and a half weeks as well. And today is my last day before I do so. And so I've literally cramped my day with podcast interviews and meetings and last things to do. So, yeah, so sometimes I'm like, do I really, <laughs> is there not really a better way? But I think sometimes you have to create that hustle and bustle and those challenges in order maybe to find new solutions as well. I, I think so. I mean, I just came back from um, two and a half weeks in Europe. It was the first time since 2019 for me that I went mm -hmm. back home. Nice. Um, and I worked minimally. I, I mean, really minimally. And I definitely believe in the importance of when you take time off, to take time off from everything, from checking emails from posting on LinkedIn, unless you have some kind of automated process, which you're not supposed to have on LinkedIn. So mm -hmm. there's no, right. You're not, you're not technically allowed to have somebody else access your account. So, um, so we don't do that. Uh, and, and realizing that as important as it is to show up, it's okay to sometimes just like go dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, the people who follow you will still be there when you come back and the rest of the world probably won't even notice that you were gone yeah exactly that's the experience that I always have with other people that they're like oh I haven't been posting on Instagram for like a month or so and I'm like really I didn't really recognize but yourself right you yourself you kind of you know th maybe think about it constantly and think oh my god I haven't been there I haven't shown up I haven't posted and other people are so busy they don't really recognize it and you just create that stress for yourself that's totally unnecessary no the algorithms if people are looking at your stuff anyhow the algorithms will make you pop up and it just is right few of us are uh famous enough relevant enough that people are literally waiting for our latest post and our latest and and this is from somebody who at least with linkedin i will go to live events and people will come and say oh i've been following you i've been done mm -hmm. but not so much that when i go people are you know messaging me saying are you all right what's going on is everything okay mm -hmm. um but if they did they would get a an auto responder that would tell them i'm on vacation and i'm offline yeah 
So I'm actually curious. So you've just been on a two and a half week vacation. You're running your own business. How do you prepare to go offline without the need and the feel that you still need to check in and you still need to check your emails if there's like some new business opportunity um, that you might be missing if you're not there right away? Like how's, how, the, how, how do you manage that? Okay, so the, the, there are two things. And, and the reality is uh, I rarely go two weeks and a half off without doing that. But there are times, for example, this summer I took my family to Costa Rica and I went broke for a full week. I just, I did not check email. I did not check anything. And um, one of the ways I can do that is I surround myself with help. I pay and pay well to have the right support in my life. Mm -hmm. And that support spans the gamut. I have an amazing executive assistant and she and I make sure that when we're on vacation, like when she's on vacation, she's on vacation. I don't send her stuff. I don't expect her mm -hmm. to work. And when I'm on vacation, we try to take our vacations off from each other. Nice. So she she and I might communicate. If I'm not going completely dark, she and I might communicate, but she is in charge. So that's one thing. I have a coach I work with, right? Mm -hmm. And I make sure before I prepare for vacation, my coach and I have been talking a month in advance about what absolutely needs to get done and what can get dropped so that by the time I go on vacation, nothing big is there. Mm -hmm. I use autoresponders. It is incredible how important it is to let people know that you're out. And if you are somebody who uses autoresponders, and if you have an important message in those autoresponders, don't make the subject line of your autoresponders, I'm out of the office because nobody will read the message. Mm -hmm. So the one that I used is my subject line this time. I think you got it, right? Yeah, I did actually get it. Yeah, but I don't remember uh, what it said. <laughs> well, it said something like, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you emailed me, right? That mm -hmm. was the reply subject line. So I know you're going to open that email and mm -hmm. then you're going to say, you know, I'm so glad you emailed me. I can't wait to figure out what, what you wanted to get in touch with me about. By the way, I'm out of the office until this date. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, and then I'll tell people I'm out of the office. I'm not checking at all. I'm out of the office. I'm checking periodically. Um, so that's, that's the other thing. And the third thing is I prepare my people, meaning the women I work with, the women I coach, they they're busy and there are things that can happen. So I really make sure that before I leave, they know that I'm going to be gone. They know to what extent they can reach me. What are the things they can reach me for? And that just like I lean on my coach to get me ready so I can leave and have peace of mind, they can lean on me before I leave to know exactly what needs to get done. And if there's a huge emergency, they'll go through my executive assistant. Yeah. And then, um, and then if she re realizes it's something that absolutely requires my help, we will. But luckily, I'm, I don't do therapy anymore, so those are not those are not the kind of things usually. Mm -hmm. Whatever emergencies people have, it rarely requires me like coming out of the dark on a vacation. Yeah, that's amazing some good tips i'm gonna uh use use a few of them 100 as we're getting off the podcast today but um alessandra you know as i already mentioned we've talked before in 2021 but i do want to give you a little 
um, chance to introduce yourself again just really quickly so we can pick up the people that haven't listened to that podcast yet and hopefully you know with the introduction and just kind of with the reference to last year's podcast that's already maybe the first um, check-in that people that listen right now can do in order to see um, what we talked about the first time around. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Alessandra Ball. The doctor comes from the fact that I started my career as a clinical psychologist. And towards the end of that career, I specialized in anxiety and stress management and burnout. At this point in time, what I do exclusively is I work with executive and senior leadership women in STEM, so science, technology, engineering, um, and medicine, and then finance. And I help those women build careers that are both extremely successful and extremely fulfilling. Uh, the women I work with are smart, they're driven, they put in incredible amounts of work, they are experts in their field, and for the vast majority of them, that has led them to high levels of success, but also for many, many of them, they are not exactly where they should be. There are a number of factors that play into that, bias, challenges that we face as women in our fields, and so what we do at Noteworthy, which is the company I founded to do this, is we help these women figure out exactly what they need to do to position themselves to have the kind of impact and influence that they're yearning for in their careers so that they can really be change makers. And we make sure that they do that in a way that doesn't add on to stress and burden and burnout, because as you know, a lot of these women, in order to get where they've gotten, have had to sacrifice huge parts of their life, time with family. Um, we recently did interviews with a number of executive women. Health is another big thing that a lot of women put on the back burner and suddenly until it catches up and they can't. Mm -hmm. Friendships was another thing that really surprised me talking to women. A lot of them say, in the little bit of time I have outside of work, everything's devoted to family mm -hmm. or to obligations. So these women don't have the depth of friendships that they want. And our goal is to change that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Wonderful introduction. And I can totally relate. I do have some clients as well, actually, that um, have brought up the friend, the friend topic, especially because I think I have a lot of clients recently that are having children, little children. And so they devote their full time to the family because that's already kind of this huge added thing that they were not used to before. And so everything else, I feel like, falls off afterwards. Yep. yep. And... So my clients, some of them have younger children, but I'd have to say just because of where they are in their careers, mm -hmm. a lot of their kids are either teenagers or already, mm -hmm. you know, in, in university or some, you know, or full fledged adults. And so it, it was really surprising to me. It's the kind of thing when I would ask women, like what's missing. And when, when they would say friendship more than anything else, it's when tears would start coming. Mm -hmm. Right. It was the thing that created an incredible amount of sadness. Interesting. So cool. What tell us more about those interviews? What did oh, you do them so, for? And yet, what kind of other insights did you gain from those? Well, we, were, we we conducted a number of interviews with executive women over the course of the summer because we were re rehauling, improving, upgrading the services we were doing, and I wanted to make sure that what what we were doing was hitting the target, was meeting the needs. So we interviewed a bunch of our own women, and then we had them 
tell us who else they thought we mm. needed to talk, who would have similar experiences or needs. And there are a couple of things. And uh, if you want, I can give you the link to the, we have a white paper that's associated with these findings, but we were looking at three things, kind of what women want, mm-hmm. what is taken for them to get there and what kind of barriers they face. So what women want is impact, right? A lot of the women we talk to at the end of the day, they want these women, these executive women, these senior leaders, they want to be given the opportunity to be in roles that shape the future of their companies or their, or their fields, their industries. They want to be taken seriously. They want the opportunity. They want to be invited to share their thoughts. Often they're at the table, but they're not asked to share their thoughts mm-hmm. and they don't need their suggestions to be taken, but they want them to be considered. Mm-hmm. And of course they want to be paid properly and fairly mm-hmm. for that work. Um, that was a big piece of what women want. It's like, see me, value me, leverage my value mm. is um, what they want. What they've had to sacrifice is what we just talked about. Yeah. Long hours, working harder. These women often work three times as hard as everybody else for a fraction of the reward, including pay, time off, uh, title, opportunities, um, health, family, relationships with with partners all of those things kind of go to the wayside or there had they had to have huge sacrifices there sometimes they sacrifice what they want in order to do what other people want them to do so that they can climb up the ladder Mm -hmm. and then the barriers you know they're all the same right it's 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 having to justify everything you say instead of just being able to walk into a room and give a suggestion or give an observation. It's, mm-hmm. it's watching people who are better connected, get opportunities that you were better suited to succeed in. So we at Noteworthy spend a lot of time helping women build social capital and learn how to leverage that social capital strategically. Mm-hmm. It's um, for a lot of our women of color, right? It's it's having to tiptoe and be very careful about how they talk, about how they show up, about how they advocate for themselves. It's watching bias come in like a lot of different at a lot of different levels. So mm-hmm. it's our typical, you know, glass ceilings, glass cliffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting. Around. I would love to read that white paper. Yeah, please, please share it with me. And for anyone that's interested, um, please let us know and super share. happy to share that. When you talk about social capital, do you equal that to personal branding? It's tied in. I mean, for me, social capital, when I talk about social capital, I'm talking about the sum total of what you can leverage from your relationships. So when people, especially women, talk about social capital, there's often a lot of... Um, discomfort because they think social capital and then they they think transactional Mm -hmm. but the way i want to remind women is social capital makes the world go round so human beings are social animals which means that we rely on our relationships with others to thrive all of us do Mm -hmm. and we have a tendency to support to elevate to promote people who are within our circles which is why it's so important to get to know your neighbors, to build friendships, to build communities, to network professionally. Mm -hmm. And the problem that I see with a lot of the women I work with is 
although they might be good relationship builders, they're not strategic relationship builders. So they might be the person everybody loves in the office, or they might have a lot of professional friends or a really rich life outside of work. Mm -hmm. But in the workplace, they have their head down and they're just moving forward. They're just doing the work. And then they're watching people who are taking the time to build these relationships, access opportunities. But of course they're accessing opportunities because the, the parallel I often draw is if you think of the last hairdresser you hired or the last plumber or an electrician or a mason for your house, chances are the way you found that person wasn't just that you went online and read research. And even if you did, you didn't just, you know, look them up and then try to figure out what school did they go to, what apprenticeship, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. First thing most of us do is we go tap our friends. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you know somebody who? That's mm -hmm. social capital. Mm -hmm. That person got a job working for you because they had a connection with one of your friends mm -hmm. who named them. And because your friend trusted them and said that they liked them, you gave them an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And you probably vetted them a lot less closely than you would have if they were a complete stranger. And even for those of us who start with online searches, these days, what's the first thing we do? We, we go and we read reviews, mm -hmm. right? That's social capital. It's a different kind of social capital, but it's mm -hmm. social capital. So when I work with my women, I say it's really important for you to build these relationships because the higher you go, the further you go in your career, the more social capital is what gives you access to opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then your experience, your work, your background, those might allow you to win those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Women need to learn how to leverage that. They need to learn what their ask is, not just to come in and be liked or likable, but to know what they want out of the relationship and also what they can offer into the relationship. Mm -hmm. That ties in to branding. Mm -hmm. The clearer I am with the world about who I am, mm -hmm. about what it is I do well, about what my values are, mm -hmm. um, about what my mission is, right? All these things that are part of branding, the easier it is for people who don't know me to get a quick and clear sense of who I am before they ever meet me. Mm -hmm. And then if your branding is true, then in conversations, there should be a match between what they're seeing online or what people are saying about you or what they're seeing on your website, whatever, and the way you're showing up in person. Yeah. You're speaking from my heart. I actually just did a um, YouTube video on how to build a personal brand within your company. Because I think we oftentimes know how to do that outside, right? It's kind of clear, right? You have the social media and all the things. But I think it's a little bit more difficult or a different type of question when you're looking at within the company, right? How do you position yourself? And you're already addressing all of the right topics, right? It's like... What are your skills, right? What are what are the what not just what are your skills, but what are the skills as well that you want to be known for, and what are the values, and do you pr project that outward on a regular basis? Do you choose your projects based on that? Do you set boundaries based on that? Do you, uh, yeah, just you know, present yourself in that way so people start making this connection and start thinking of you if there is an opportunity in a specific space as well, right? 
So yeah, I really love that. It's, I'm I'm already thinking I'm so glad that I invited Alessandra back to the podcast because I remember that we had such a rich and interesting conversation the last time. And it's so powerful for me to get this different perspective as well. And I'm sure so it is for the listener as well, because we are both coaches in kind of this, you know, executive leadership space. And I just find it so valuable to get that other perspective and to hear, you know, what you're working in and what, what your clients struggle with. And one of the things and that we talked about when we jumped on the podcast today before we hit the record button was what can we talk about, right? What is something that's actually really valuable um, for our listeners? And we talked about the career progression during a recession and, you know, going into the holiday season, which we talked a little bit more about actually in the previous podcast. So I, again, I invite you to check out that podcast episode if you're curious to learn more about that. But today I want to really talk about kind of that fear of recession because, and I'm curious to hear about your experience, but I've, you know, had a lot of people that actually brought this up, even though they're working for big renowned companies and they are seemingly having a very safe secure job they fear this big unknown that's kind of going around at the moment what's your experience um, similar i think it's really unfortunate because the fear of an impending recession has made people behave and re respond reactively and we talked about reactivity last time right versus responsiveness mm -hmm. so respond reactively as if we were already in a recession when we're not already, mm -hmm. right? And we're seeing it with a lot of the way companies are just suddenly like they hired a lot and then they're suddenly cutting a lot. Mm -hmm. And and I'm seeing it in how some of the women I'm speaking to, even my existing clients are already starting to hunker down. Mm -hmm. And to me, I understand it. You know, I, we talked about my business as a psychologist. I went into private practice for myself as a psychologist in 2007. So I was building a business and then the crash of 2008 hit. Mm -hmm. And I saw it. I watched my business go from, you know, we were in the black immediately and thriving to suddenly, and, and most of my patients were paying out of pocket to suddenly people all wanted insurance. I had to get on insurance panels. And what I learned is those times are leaner and harder. But if you just move through and if you have a plan on how you're going to move through, you, for the vast majority of people, we will get through it. Mm -hmm. Certainly for the vast majority of women you and I are talking to, they will get through it. And the companies will usually get through it. So the, this tendency to lock down and to paralyze, they're like rabbits in front of a headlights of a car. And they're just holding still, hoping not to get hit to me is is the wrong idea i go back i mentioned i have a coach well you know i've been talking about this with my coach for a while and saying okay so let me let me think like how do we prepare what is it that we do what are the conversations we need to have mm -hmm. and one of the conversations that i've been having with a lot of my women is now is the time right if before it was important to have the right kind of support when times are good when times are precarious, it's even more important. So mm -hmm. I am doubling my investment in my support and I'm doubling my investment in my own coach. I'm doubling my investment in, um, I have uh, somebody who's helping me with copywriting on stuff. My, my executive assistant is pro putting on more hours for me because 
there are certain things that I do really well and that's what I need to lean into. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I can get the help and the support from other people. And especially I'll be honest, I don't know if you have a coach, but for me, like one of the biggest things my coach allows me to do is when I start getting scared, when I start doubting myself, when I start entering a potentially reactive mode, she can catch me. Cassandra, mm -hmm. you know, look at what you're doing. Slow down. You have a plan. Look at this was the plan. We set up the plan. And so we're doing the same thing with my clients of saying, if the fear is, I think for some clients, the fear is that they'll get cut. For a lot of my other clients who do have secure jobs, the fear is that their careers will stagnate mm -hmm. at a point in their life where they can't afford to have their career stagnate, right? They maybe have 10, 15 more years of work, right? To really make a huge impact before ageism kicks in, before things that will naturally slow down their career kicks in for women, especially. And our goal is first and foremost, to make sure that if there are cuts, they are never cut. Because mm -hmm. talking about branding, which I thought was a nice tie-in, mm -hmm. the people they work with, the organizations they work for are clear on what these women bring to the table, on the kind of impact that they can make with that and what the value of that impact is for the organization, for the team, for the company. The second thing is we want to make sure that the women who, for whom being cut is not going to be an issue, that a recession doesn't mean that their careers stagnate. And one of the things that came to mind is, you know, they always say summertime, everything slows down in business. Nothing happens during the months of July and August. In July and August, the women of Noteworthy, I did the math the other day. We help them get over a quarter million dollars in raises. Wow. Over a quarter million dollars in raises in these two months mm -hmm. where people say nothing ever happens, right? You, you don't go for a new job. A lot of these women got raises by moving to new, new positions and new jobs mm -hmm. or you know, the promotion conversations, you, you have to wait till end of year reviews. That's going to be in September, October. No, we did it over the summer, right? Mm -hmm. So I remind people that, you know, everybody says things won't happen during these points in time. And if you buy into that, nothing will. I just, I can't be a rabbit and I can't advocate people being rabbits in front of headlights. We just need to continue moving forward and have a plan that is adapted to the circumstances. Yeah. Well, I also hear really loud and clear that is actually the exact time where you want to be known to be a leader and to step up and to step in and to to have ideas and to present um, new ways on how to operate the business, even in these leaner times, right? Yeah. I mean, the the... The folks you work with, what are what are their fears? So, so for me, it's been also a very interesting year. I'm gonna say this upfront, and you know, I usually focus a lot on corporate workshops and coaching um, and trainings, kind of in that group space, going into the company. And it was also a super interesting year for me, so because here's here's some hard facts. So last year, I did 76 corporate workshops over the course of the year. And my goal for this year was to do a hundred, right? Obviously we want to grow and we want to 
um, you know, have more impact. And that was the impact that I wanted to have. I wanted to reach more people. So my goal for this year was to do a hundred workshops. You know, we are at the end of the year. I am going out of office after today for the rest of the year. And I did 31 workshops this year. So that's kind of the ref really, a really, really good reflection of how all of my corporate clients have just pulled back, cut budgets, got leaner, more afraid of investing. And so I saw this coming too, right? I saw this already coming in June, July, and I was like, okay, I need to start doing something different in, in my company. And so I pivoted a lot more to one-on-one -on -one coaching again, which I've always done on the side, but it was never such a, such major focus as it was for me this year. And I honestly love it. It's obviously a lot less scalable, right? Um, but the kind of conversations that I've been having with clients just give me so much more insight into what are they really struggling with? You know, what, what are they concerned about? Which then obviously translates back into my corporate workshops, right? And what I address and what I try to help other people with. And so um, I have two ty different types of one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, I would say. I have kind of the burnt out high achiever or peak performer. This is kind of how I call them, right? That feel really stressed and overwhelmed because of the routines and habits that they have built over the course of their career. And it just doesn't work anymore, right? Because maybe they are up-leveling, right? Maybe they get into the next role and they just have more work and more responsibility and people that are reporting into them and they can't manage that anymore. And they start to burn out because they just work crazy hours and they have difficulty prioritizing and so on. Um, so that's kind of the one type of people that I work with. So, you know, we really help them to to create these habits and routines that help them be able to sustain their performance over time. And then I have the other type that's more career focused and they are working on, you know, they want to grow in their career. And um, oftentimes the type of clients that I've had range from everything from VPs that have been in a company for 15 years and they say, I want to do something different. Like this can't be it. Um, to just people um, in in a current role that want to shift roles in order to have um, a better matching skill set in the next role that they're looking for or to to go out of their comfort zone and do something that challenges them and that makes them be more excited again about the work that they do. And so for all those people, the idea is if they choose to live the next four quarters, believing that nothing is going to change, they're going to remain more stagnant. And not only that, they're going to, they're going to remain stagnant and less and less relevant mm -hmm. because they're not focusing on growth. Mm -hmm. And companies, companies are still hiring. Companies are still promoting. Mm -hmm. It just depends on the industry. It just depends on the sector. But the conversation I've had, and I've, I've definitely seen it, which I think is hilarious. I've definitely seen it at the corporate level and I think it's hilarious because if the individual is, is able to invest in their personal development, right, the, their mm -hmm. professional development, the company has the funds to do this investment. And yeah. it's so short-sighted of companies. Now is the time. Now is the time if you're worried of an impending recession. Again, now is the time to make sure that the people who are working for you have the, the skills, the knowledge, the 
the engagement, whatever it is that you're that you're seeking through professional training in order to operate really well, because what's going to happen with the workforce is as companies get stressed out, they they pass a lot of that stress on to their workforce, mm-hmm. which is going to lead to less and less engagement, which is going to lead to poor former performance, which is then going to magnify the impact of the recession when what we need is we need people in companies feeling feeling engaged and feeling excited and feeling like there's potential and there's hope mm-hmm. and doing their best work to help the companies not just stay afloat but continue them to growing throughout the recession so that they can exit the recessional phase as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm the same way, you know, we've seen this, I don't do as many trainings. I do some, I have, you know, it, noteworthy, we have like four tiers. We have an ex- executive rising, which is our like higher end one-on-one coaching. Then we have a hybrid program that's called impact and influence. We have a, um, a noteworthy women, which is, uh, we have this really talking about social capital, vibrant community and resources, but mm-hmm. then I do training and a lot of the training I do is soft skills for women and I've had conversations with companies that last year were like yes we want to get you in we want to whatever and this year they're like oh you mm-hmm. know that program at that price and I know the prices that we do for corporate training they're not that high like I know McKinsey charges like five times what we charge mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I, I luckily know some people who can. I'll ask how much, how much are you paying for this? I'll be like this much. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're, what they're looking at is different ways of offering the same service. Mm-hmm. So less than one on one, more courses that they can take in the back end. And to me, it's the same issue. It's like you can't just invest in your people when times are good, you really have to invest in your people like the whole time. You can't start treating your people like they're expendable. Oh, wait, sorry, your concerns about professional development were important before, but now they're not mm-hmm. because we want to keep our profit margins. That that like, that doesn't make sense. You have no profit without, without the people in your organization feeling like they can do the work and thriving professionally. So continue supporting them the whole way through and maybe that means that certain people need to cut their bonuses. Maybe that means that you lower the profit margin, but support the workforce that's going to help you get out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I know. I'm sorry. I get on my workforce. No, I, I did. No, I that's no, I actually really appreciate that you're talking about this because that's been my experience too. I think, you know, people are obviously more cautious to spend money, but there are still so many internal programs that actually do support professional development on a one on one level. So if you are choosing to work with a coach or with a therapist or, you know, whatever you choose to whoever you want to work with, there is still support for that. Um, And it's interesting how you were saying how that fear that the company has gets instilled into the the employees because I've actually had one of these recently where you know the company cut all the budgets for training and development and so the person that I talked to um, wanted to use you know their um, professional development kind of bucket budget in order to work with me and she was really afraid to even ask her manager the question and I told her I'm like I'm working with so many people um, and I know that this budget is available there's no concern there but there was this really deep concern for her 
to use that budget. And, um, you know, I, I really believe too, you know, this is the time to invest in yourself, especially when the company doesn't use their funds in order to do group trainings and, um, and those kind of things, um, where you don't, where it's already more limited for you to learn and grow. Right. Well, and you make a really good point. A lot of times it, uh, I say women because I work primarily, I don't just work with women. I have a few male clients, but I work primarily with women. Mm -hmm. They won't ask. They mm -hmm. won't ask. Like, so there are times where I have to literally coach people who want to work with me on how to, mm -hmm. how to advocate. But what that comes down to is what you were talking about before with branding. It's when you are clear about what value you bring, right? What, what, what skills are your highest and most beloved? This I think is the fulfillment piece, mm -hmm. most beloved skills, what impact you can make with those skills. And when you learn how to translate that impact into a value proposition for whoever your audience is, whether it's your manager or the CEO or HR, then it becomes really easy to help people understand why investing in you is worth it. Mm -hmm. So the beauty with developing that skill is not only do you need it so that you can brand yourself so you can do more of the things you love and excel at, Mm -hmm. So you get positioned for opportunities that fit where you want to go with your career, that allow you to shine, that allow you to do things that, you know, you walk into the office in the morning and that's actually what you want to spend your day doing. Yeah. But it's also how you get your company to continue investing in you. And if you don't ask, you're never like, nobody's ever going to say yes. Exactly. You, you just have to prepare. It's like any other negotiation. You have to be able to walk in mm -hmm. and this isn't a favor that the company is doing you. By investing in you, they are getting a better product, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Right? They're getting somebody who can more effectively address the needs and the challenges that the company is facing. So there's, there's not something nice. It's not a favor. It's not charity. It's an investment. Yeah. Yeah. And what I hear really loud and clear in this whole conversation that I do want to address is mindset. It's really having the mindset that you are important enough to be invested in, you know, um, and to invest in yourself. Like even if the company, you know, I think there is also this this thought that that sometimes I've, you know, I understand, I totally understand it. And at the same time, I also always think it's not just the, don't just wait for your company to make that investment and Inve make that investment for yourself. Right. I, you know, especially now, for example, during black Friday sale, you know, you get so many marketing emails about all of these different products that are on sale. And I know so many people that are using this time to buy a lot of things. Right. And I, I always think hopefully people also invest in themselves you know, not just in the material thing that six months down the line is going to lay somewhere in your house and it might rarely be used to, you know, the skills that you learn when you are working with somebody, they are lasting a lifetime and they're going to make you so much more efficient and so much more um, happy. And that's so much more important than anything else that you can really invest in. You know, when I when I speak with the, the women I... I work with very often. I use myself as an example. Mm -hmm. I'm I, because I think I'm. I know. I don't think I am very much like them. I'm smart. I'm capable. I'm hardworking. 
and I, I love what I do. I have a passion for it. If I won the lottery tomorrow, I wouldn't stop working. I'd just invest. I'd mm -hmm. actually hire more people. I'd hire more support and we would grow faster than I can right now. Mm -hmm. um, but because I'm capable, because I'm very mindful of where money goes and things like that, for the first several years of my, of my life and business, I did everything myself. And to be honest, at the beginning, I had to. I just wasn't generating enough revenue to be able to reinvest in the business. But there came a point in late 2018, early 2019. And before that, I'd invested in courses. I'd invested in you know strategic groups and things that some were helpful. Some I learned because I didn't get what I wanted, right? I learned different lessons, mm -hmm. but I invested in my first coach. And working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, what he helped me do is he helped me trust myself. He helped me go out and actually leverage and learn the value of social capital. As somebody who was more of an introvert, it was very difficult for me to just have random conversations, to show up to networking events. And he really gave me the confidence and kind of the framework to go and do that and start building the foundation of relationships that once the the pandemic hit actually allowed me to have at the time what was my best my best business year mm -hmm. because all those relationships I built suddenly during the pandemic those people were coming back to me can you help us with this can you help us with this can you do this right I was checking in on them mm -hmm. also and so we built that business and then and then I hired my second coach right because there was a different set of skills and she helped me initially very specifically with systematizing my process with having slightly better sales sales conversations which is really important because all a sales conversation is is a communication of your value mm -hmm. in a manner that clearly helps the person you're talking to understand how you can address their problems that's all it is it's not hawking it's not trying to make people buy something they don't need it's just about making sure that you know if if i have a skill somebody needs that they can I can rapidly help them understand how I can solve their problem for them. Mm -hmm. And she was great. And I did some work. And then recently, and she was more expensive than the person I first hired. And then I took some time off. And then I hired my current coach, who is probably like the biggest investment I've ever made. Um, it's a, it's a, huge investment and the thing is it's been totally worth it mm -hmm. because she's helped me again understand where the holes were optimize my processes continue to understand how to better articulate what i bring to the table up level my offering so i'm, I'm better suited and feel much more confident and prepared to thrive in in a boom time mm -hmm. and to not just survive, but to continue thriving even in the midst of a recession. And I'm not, and I'm, I mean, I'm like not happy that I'm going to have to work harder mm -hmm. um, to make a case, but I'm not entering the recession scared. Yeah. And so that is where, you know, for you, the listener, wherever you are in your process, it's, it's really important for you. And when you talk about how do you continue rising and thriving in this recession, I would take a, a half day, grab a sheet of paper and start by asking yourself, 
where do I want to be like at the end of 2023? What are some of the things I really want? And don't just think realistically, where could I go based on the fact that there's a recession? Uh Uh-uh. Just what do I want? And then start asking yourself, what's going to keep me from getting there? So what are the roadblocks? What are the barriers? And then based on that, you can start thinking about, okay, well then what are the resources? What kind of knowledge, support, whatever it is, do I need in order to overcome those roadblocks and get to where I want to go and pursue it? And if that means making an investment in something big, then make an investment in something big because for you and I, especially for our clients, right? The the investment is probably, at least I can tell you for my clients, it's a big investment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when I say we got over a quarter million dollars worth of, of raises for these women just over the summer, mm-hmm. right? So it's a handful of women really. Mm-hmm. The raise isn't just this year. The raise is going to be present this year, next year, and the year after. And mm-hmm. they have the skills to continue positioning themselves now for future raises, for future opportunities, for future going up. So that it's a one-time expense for a multi-year compounded payoff. Yeah. And that's just talking about the money piece. It's not even discussing the non-tangibles. Like exactly going from walking into work crying every day or not being able to sleep. Or I asked, one of the questions we asked the women is how many hours do you spend working? Mm. Right. And that was anywhere from 40 to 80 hours a week. And then I would say, how much time do you spend thinking about work? And all the women laughed. They're like 24 seven. I dream about it. Also, Mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning and the first thing on my mind is work. I go to sleep at night. I'm thinking about work. For some of the women, they literally dream, dreamt about work. I do the same thing. This mm-hmm. is my business. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I don't spend 23 hours thinking about it, but I do spend a lot of time. So, like, are those thoughts anxious thoughts, or are are they are they dreaming and planning and plotting and strategizing, mm-hmm. right? Like that's all the non tangibles that come with the work you and I both do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge as somebody who used to be miserable in what she did I can say it's huge to be able to walk in and go yeah this is hard and it's stress but it's not bad stress Mm -hmm. not the kind that shortens your life yeah exactly yeah this was such a fruitful conversation thank you so much Alessandra thank you for all of the insights and for this maybe a little bit of a different kind of podcast I don't know you know I I'm actually really curious you know if you're listening to this podcast episode today send me an email and let me know if you find these kind of conversations even maybe more helpful you know really the honest conversations about what we see the market is doing and the industry is doing and how individuals are reacting to it because I think it's important that we talk about it and that we address it. And I can, you know, I I don't want to go into the details now, but same thing I've invested this year as I've never invested before in my business. And I, yeah, and I, I have been able to hit the same revenue that I had last year with 76 workshops this year with 31 workshops, because I shifted my business. I increased my pricing, you know, I just did 
more value, I think, for the money um, that people received. And I'm really proud of it, right? And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wouldn't have built a team with like now three or four people with marketing assistants and virtual assistants and editors. And and I've never spent so much money into my business, I don't think, than any year before that because I felt like I, I didn't really have the resources. But this year I was like, it is so important for me to you know, to still have the impact and to help people, I'm going to to help them, even if it takes more back-end work from my side in order to set up the right systems. Um, so yeah, so everything is possible if you have the right mindset is what I'm trying to tell you, dear listener. And if you found this episode helpful, like I said, would love to hear from you via email or share this episode with someone that you know would love to hear this message as well and would feel encouraged to go out there and you know make their best create their best work yet so alessandra um how can people best find you or um, connect with you if you're interested there are two places so um linkedin is probably one of the best places to just connect with me i'm under uh, dr alessandra one l two s as well and uh and then there's my website which is noteworthyinc.co recently bought noteworthyinc.com point you back to the CEO which is a great place to kind of get a sense of what we're doing and um, you know just based on the last thing you said mindset wise uh, one of the ways I like to think about it is just because you can do it all doesn't mean you should do it all mm-hmm. it was wonderful 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 talking with you again thank you very much so Thank you so much, Alessandra. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.